Well, hey, thanks for uh, joining with us on our online campuses, and for those of you who crashed our building this morning, uh, good on you. Uh, all I care about is that we beat Cornerstone and Pastor Jim Franklin in Fresno. So, uh, <laughs> <they>, uh, <laughs> here's the thing, and I'm going to jump right into it because there's so much to cover today in this series on how to pray. We're looking at what Jesus said about prayer and teaching his disciples how to pray, who were by themselves very familiar with prayer uh, as Jews growing up in their religious system, very familiar with prayer. It's interesting that the one thing they asked Jesus to teach them was how to pray. And so uh, the, the scripture uh, in his response is so rich uh, with understanding and keys uh, to God and to him that we, we have to look at it. So uh, this is the second part of this prayer that we're looking at through uh, Matthew 6. The kingdom was a big theme for Jesus. It was a huge, he talked more about the kingdom than almost any other thing. Matter of fact, in the first four books of the, uh, of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus talked about the kingdom 126 times. In the entire rest of the New Testament, it's only mentioned 34 times. And so the idea of the kingdom was huge for Jesus. Uh, it was one of his most popular topics, and yet most Jesus followers have no real understanding of what he was talking about. So, so this is very important for us to understand. If we're going to understand God, uh, his rule and his reign, and understand Jesus. Uh, and so picking up in what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6, his disciples had seen miracles. His disciples had seen him raise people from the dead. They had seen him walk on water. They'd seen him do everything. And the one thing they asked him was not how to do those things. The one thing they asked him was, teach us how to pray. Because they knew that Jesus' activity, power, and authority were a direct result of his prayer and his prayer life and his prayer habit. And so in response, Jesus said, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last week we talked about the our Father in heaven, how to be your name. This week we're going to talk about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom needs to be understood by those who are going to choose to follow Jesus. And so I want to give you a definition of kingdom that I heard from a pastor that I really, really like and and I think you're going to want this too. All the, all the things we're, we're looking at on the screen is on our app, on our phone. And so if you haven't downloaded that yet, download that. Go to Sundays and, and Sermon Notes. And you can, this will all be on your phone. You can take notes on your phone and save it. So take advantage of it. Because you're going to want this definition of the kingdom. The kingdom is the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over every aspect of life. That's what the kingdom is. It was one of Jesus' most uh, talked about topics, his favorite thing to discuss, both before and after his resurrection. 126 times in the four Gospels, he talks about the kingdom. He understood what it was, and what it is, and what we have to understand is it is the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over every aspect of life. And when we live in the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over every aspect of life, the kingdom of God has come. It begs the question, if this is God's plan, if this is God's desire, if he's told his people from the disciples on down, pray in this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, then why do we see so much evil and pain and turmoil and death and destruction? It begs the question, if we are ever bothered by atrocity, if it ever grieves your heart that there are children born into evil and starvation and sickness and disease, if, you're ever, if you ever struggle with then God, why? Why the injustice to the innocent? Then God, why? Does a young black man in Georgia get gunned down like... like, like, like in real world stuff, why? If you want to see God's kingdom, his justice, and his mercy, we first have to start, not with the world, 
but with the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over our own life. Do you understand? If God, here's the thing. If God's comprehensive rule over, if the, if, the, if the visible demonstration of God's comprehensive rule isn't physically seen in our lives, we cannot dare charge God with the injustice of evil. Do you understand? If the comprehensive rule of God isn't demonstrated in our lives right now, we dare not charge him with the evils of the world. And so Jesus said, pray. The implication is daily. Father, may your rule and may your reign be in the earth now, and may your rule and your reign start in me now. This is why one of our core values at our church is the invisible kingdom. Because we believe in this kingdom. And we want to see the kingdom take on flesh right now. And we want the kingdom to be established on this earth. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit get the kingdom of God. Only those who are poor in spirit. It's, it, it's, it's being a beggar on the street knowing that you have nothing. Poor in spirit. See, the way into God's kingdom is first to acknowledge and admit that you have nothing to pay as an entrance fee. That's already been paid and won by me and won by you. See, self-reliance and self-sufficiency are not allowed in the kingdom. And that's why this whole prayer that Jesus taught, the model of it, begins with God, hallowed be your name. Because the kingdom begins with God, not with us. John the Baptist and Jesus both talked about the kingdom. And they said that repentance is the prerequisite for entrance. John the Baptist said in Mark 1, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this good news. Jesus then said, Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repentance is a prerequisite for entrance into the kingdom. When you say, I understand, God, you have a standard, and I've not lived up to it. And I'm sorry for that. That sin, I repent of that. Forgive me. That's the payment as your entrance fee, except what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus taught in Luke 17. He said, there'll come a time when you say about the kingdom, it's not here and it's not there because the kingdom of God is where? In your midst. Jesus taught that the kingdom will be within the believer. And this is why we cannot charge God with injustice about evil if the kingdom of God doesn't rule in us first. In one of the most well-known amongst church people statements about the kingdom. Matthew 6, Seek first his what? Kingdom and his righteousness, and all this other stuff will be added to you. See, when we seek the lifestyle of the king and the lifestyle of the kingdom and his rule in our lives, he takes responsibility for everything else. See, understand it like this. Once the priority of the kingdom is lost, the experience of the kingdom is diminished. Just understand what that means. Once the priority of the kingdom in us is lost, and the experience of his kingdom in the world will be diminished. Do you understand? This is why it's so important that it starts with me. In Acts 1... After Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, he's talking to his disciples. And, and, and it, the Bible records for some of his last words to his disciples before he ascends back to heaven. And in Acts 1, I want to share with you what Jesus talked about as he's getting ready to leave them, his disciples, on earth and ascend back to the Father in heaven. This is what the Bible says. After his suffering, after Jesus' suffering, he presented himself 
to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He wanted them to understand, I'm really alive, it's really me. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about what? The kingdom of God. On one occasion, while they were eating with them, well, he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you've heard me speak about, the Holy Spirit. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. For 40 days, the resurrected Jesus met with his disciples and a lot of people and gave them convincing proofs that it really was him who was alive. For 40 days, he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. For 40 days, he had Bible study with them. Could you imagine? For 40 days, he talked to them about how to operate in the world in line with the kingdom, how God's rule in his reign looks lived out in the world. And then he said, don't do anything yet. Because you don't have the power you need to live according to this rule yet. He said, just wait. He said, wait, because the power to pull off the rule and reign of the kingdom of God is going to come through one who isn't here yet. He's on his way, but he hadn't showed up yet. Now notice something. They had Jesus, but they didn't have the power they needed. Did you realize? They had Bible study with Jesus, but apparently it wasn't enough. They had convincing proofs that he was alive, but conviction wasn't enough. What do they still need? Jesus says, you don't have it yet. You've got a lot, but you don't have what you need yet, and what you need is power. See, here's the thing. We erroneously believe that if we increase programs, we'll increase power. It's wrong to believe that if we just do more, we get more. And this is, one of the, this is one of the downsides of the church. I'm just going to be real honest with you. I've been in the church world a long time. I've been in this game a long time. And one of the, one of the downsides of the church world is if we, we think if we just add more programs, we get more power. Jesus says all those programs are good. But what you need is power. I mean, perhaps, just think for a moment. If we had more power, we wouldn't need no more programs. I mean, just think about it for a minute. If we have more power, we wouldn't need more I mean, and, 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 and maybe if we have more power, we wouldn't need more counseling sessions. Maybe if we have more power, we wouldn't need more medication. Maybe if we have more power, we wouldn't need more money. See, the power that we need of the kingdom of God comes from one source, the Holy Spirit. How do you get more power? The Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is like the mysterious member of the Trinity. Now, we believe in the Christian church that there's one God expressing himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. It's one God, but three persons. The Father is God. The Son is God, the Spirit is God, but the Father's not the Son, the Son's not the Spirit, the Spirit's not the Father. And it's this, it's this mystery that's hard to understand. And then when you throw the Holy Spirit in there, like we, we can see, you know, people have seen God. We got a whole Old Testament about him. People have seen Jesus. They've seen the Father. They've seen the Son. But the Spirit, this is kind of getting freaky now. And so to understand the Spirit, we have to understand the three works of the Spirit. And I want to explain this to you. I'm going to give you a little Greek this morning. This is why you need that app on your phone, because it's all there. You're not going to remember this. I'm just telling you right now. The three works of the Spirit. Three Greek words. Para, in, and epi. Para, in, epi. Para, in, epi. Para means with. En means in. And epi means upon. Para, in, epi. The three works of the Holy Spirit. With, in, and upon. Now, here's how this looks biblically. In John 14... 
Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he says, the world cannot accept him, the spirit, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Right now he's with you. There will come a time when he is in you. He's with you, para. There will come a time when he is in, in you. The Spirit is with you, he's saying to his people, drawing you to God. See, they hadn't yet received the Spirit. It wasn't in them yet because Jesus hadn't yet been resurrected. The Spirit only comes in and dwells after the resurrection. So he says he's with you, drawing you to him, but he's not in you yet. That's still coming. See, they had followed Jesus, but they weren't re churchy word, regenerated. They weren't saved yet. Though following, because the Spirit was drawing, was with them. But it wasn't in them yet. And then, John 20, after the resurrection, Jesus says, peace, I uh, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. They hadn't received it till then. It wasn't in them till then. They weren't regenerated until, until they received in them the Holy Spirit. It happens after the resurrection. And then, so para, with, in, in, and then upon. Jesus says, after the resurrection, in one of his final addresses to his people, his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's epi, upon. And, you will be my, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Samaria, Judea, and the ends of the earth. Then when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there are three very distinct words when Jesus talks about, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, with, in, and upon. And in this case, Jesus says, when he comes upon you, there's going to be a result. What's the result? Power and witness are the result of coming upon. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon and the person experienced because the Holy Spirit has not only been within them, but now is upon them and experienced the power of God through the Holy Spirit coming upon them and is the witness of God, the kingdom of God shows up. Now, I told you when I started this series a couple weeks ago, this wasn't going to be a polite series on prayer. Go read a devotional somewhere. Go look at something. Google how to pray. I don't know. Do something for a nice little polite thing. This isn't one of those. The Holy Spirit's overarching job, role, is to establish the kingdom of God through God's people. Very truly I tell you, Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, get this, let this sink in, will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these that I have been doing. Because I'm going to the Father and I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. We will, according to what Jesus has said, we will do what Jesus has been doing. And even more so, not in quality, but in quantity. Why? Because now we're doing it. There's only one of him and there's a whole bunch of us. He said the same spirit that is upon me can be upon you. See, the Holy Spirit only functions in the kingdom of God where the Father is worshipped as the king. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is why Jesus begins the prayer that way. It's the acknowledgement and the praise of the king and the authority and the power of the king's name. And it starts with the personal king who is our father. How personal is a king of whom you don't know his name? It's not very personal. 
See, to know the name of the king is to know the king. And only those who are attached to the king by name can experience the power of the spirit of the king, the Holy Spirit. See, if you or I are the king of our own life, we will never have the power of God upon our life. And so often we miss the power of God, his kingdom upon us, because we're not committed to the rule and the reign of the king personally. You following me so far? Maybe out there in TV land following me? So watch this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you how this all fleshes itself out. In Acts 1.5, Jesus says, For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is a really important concept to understand. The word baptize in Greek is baptizo. And it means literally to immerse fully in, to dip all the way underwater. And by the way, this is just one reason why Christian, like, According to scripture, we don't sprinkle babies. And that might be part of your, your, your religious experience, and I understand that, and that's part of your experience. But biblically, baptism means to literally immerse underwater, to get fully up under that thing. And actually, biblically, when someone would be baptized, there would be someone in the water with them, but the person will walk themselves down to the water because it's a conscious choice of the individual to be immersed in. See, when you're baptized, you can't play in and frolic about and get a little bit wet. Baptism negates half-hearted splashing around. So likewise, when Jesus says you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God will be in your midst. You, God, God can't be toyed with, frolicked about with, played with, put on and taken off, put on and taken off, put on and taken off. If you're going to be baptized... With the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about being perfect for goodness sake. I'm not talking about having no error. That's not, that's not what the Bible talks about. But it does talk about the overarching commitment to the king and his kingdom. In the midst of failure. See, the king and his kingdom must become the centerpiece of life where God's rule and his reign are the object and the point of life. It doesn't mean moving to Montana and becoming a monk somewhere, but it does mean the kingdom and the king are the first priority and the centerpiece of what? Of our time? Of our talents and abilities? And of our treasure? See, the power of the kingdom is resident in the person of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the kingdom is resident through the Holy Spirit in you. Do you understand? The power of the kingdom of God is resident in the Holy Spirit. Jesus has ascended back to heaven and he has left in his place the spirit of God. But the presence of the kingdom is resident in the Holy Spirit in us. And it is every, it has to be every person's individual choice to allow the kingdom of God to be present, the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over the, it's every person's individual. Oh, how I wish a parent could choose this for their child. Right? Jesus was the physical manifestation of who God is in the world. And when Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit to be the manifestation of God in us to the world. Jesus revealed the kingdom of God to earth. And now, with the Holy Spirit resonant within and upon us, we now become the ambassadors of that very kingdom, just as Jesus was. So, so, so watch this. 
the enemy, if the enemy knows that your priority, my priority, is not the king nor the kingdom, he doesn't mind you adding more programs to your already overpacked schedule. If the enemy knows that my priority and your priority is not the king and his kingdom, he doesn't mind us getting more busy. He doesn't mind more activity. He doesn't mind more Bible study. He doesn't mind more good stuff. He doesn't mind it because he knows that the power that we need for the kingdom of God in the world is not through programs and activity. See, in the book of Acts, once the disciples were immersed, then they were filled. Ephesians 5.18, Paul talks about this, and he tells the church he's writing to, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be what? Filled with the Spirit. That word filled with the Spirit is a Greek word that literally means to be under the influence. Now, I realize there's very few people in this church who understand what it means to be under the influence of, so I just... Some of you are like, not so loud right now. <laughs> was filled with the spirits last night, man, I'm just saying. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was just communion. It was a long night of communion. That's all it was. It was just that we were really there. The context of what Paul's talking about is being drunk. And that's why he says, don't be filled with and controlled by beer and wine and let that substance tell you what to do. Instead, be filled with and drunk with the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit tells you what it is. You know what it's like to be drunk because you know what it's like to have something else tell you what to do. And, and Paul's saying, don't let something else tell you what to do unless there's something else that's telling you what to do is the Spirit of God. Be consumed that way. Be consumed with the Spirit so much so that you act outside. There are so many of us who can give testimony to the fact that we have been in a position when we let some other substance tell us what to do and actually acted outside of ourselves. Some of y'all acted so much outside of yourselves you can't even remember that moment. And what Paul's saying is, Go ahead, be filled with something so you act outside yourself so you're not in your right mind, but let that substance be the Holy Spirit. See, most people bounce back and forth. God's priority and personal priority. God's priority and personal priority. God's priority and personal priority. That's not filled with, that's flirting with. How do you know when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You can see it. It's not mystical. It's not some scary, freaky thing. In, in, in Acts chapter 6, the first church was told to pick leaders for it. And they were told to pick leaders who were filled with the Spirit. How can you pick something that you can't see? So there, there, there has to be some visible expression of the Spirit's influence on a life so you can see. Otherwise, they couldn't have picked people who were filled with the Spirit. There has to be some visible manifestation to it. And so I'm going to give you an example of the physical manifestation when people weren't just, the Spirit wasn't just in, but the Spirit had come upon. You want to see it? We'll see. We'll see. Okay, so, so, so come upon in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to unpack it. Don't get scared right up front. I'm going to unpack this for you a little bit. When the day of Pentecost came, this is after the resurrection of Jesus talking to his disciples. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest, where? Epi, upon. Now they had already received, they had already breathed on them and said, be filled with the Spirit. But now it had, it's coming upon them, each of them. All of them were filled, I'm going to talk about this where it says with the Holy Spirit in just a minute, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled him. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard in their own language what was being spoken. 
Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then there was the showing of the Holy Spirit's power upon them. But you notice it says here that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the word with the is not in the original Greek. Literally, it means each one Holy Spirit filled. So the impetus of this is not that the Holy Spirit was within them. The impetus is that the Holy Spirit came upon them, which is different than it being in them. You follow me so far? Now, I want you to know something. What were the results of the Holy Spirit coming upon them? People spoke in a language they hadn't learned. People spoke in dialects they hadn't studied. And other people heard the message that people hadn't learned in their own language and came to faith in Christ. Now, I want you to notice something. If you want to be a Bible student, I want you to understand this. Acts 2, this one right here, is the only place in Scripture where tongues is actually seen in action. There's other places in Scripture where it's talked about, but this is the only place it is seen in action. And in this case, where it is actually seen in action, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit coming upon and the kingdom rule in the midst of is people talking in normal human languages that they haven't studied yet. It's not some weird prayer thing. It's not some weird babbling. It's a language that people already knew, spoken by people who didn't know it. So let me just say this. If you happen to be one who has a private prayer language between you and God that only you and God know, that's fantastic. But that's for private use, not public consumption. And the only place we see the outworking of the Holy Spirit coming upon a person speaking in tongues is speaking in a known human language. See, here's the thing. Please understand this. This is so important. Proof of the Holy Spirit upon a person and proof of the kingdom of God in the midst of people is not the speaking of tongues. Proof of the Holy Spirit coming upon a person and proof of the kingdom of God in the midst of God's people is doing something you've never been able to do before. I'll give you another example. Peter, just over a month prior, was scared to death by a little junior high girl who denied even knowing who Jesus was, tucked tail and ran. Now, just over a month later, after not only being filled with the Spirit, but the Spirit being upon a person, stands up before thousands of Jews and charges them not only with the death and the murder of God's prophets from ages of old, but now charges those very people with the death of Jesus himself and says, you people, you authorities who have legal authority over my life must bow in submission and repentance before God. Can you imagine? That's like marching up to Sacramento and telling Pelosi's puppet to open up California. You're going to do them in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying that's, I'm just saying it's like, like, that's just bold. That's just bold. Being able to do what you've never been able to do before is the sign of the manifestation that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, here's the thing. You know that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Holy Spirit is in you at salvation. That's different from the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And you know the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And the kingdom of God is in your midst when you're able to do things you've never been able to do before because you're filled in a way you've never been filled before with someone you've never had before. The Holy Spirit. See, and here's the thing, you, you may never feel different when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's not a feeling, but you will start to be different. See, Samson, in a miraculous scene before there was even a Jesus on the earth in the resurrection, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon him and he ripped open a lion's head while the wild lion was alive. He took up the gates of the city. He pushed over a building because the Spirit of God had come upon him. He didn't feel anything. He just did. 
And so you pray and you act knowing the Holy Spirit is upon. You don't wait to feel. You act with knowledge that the Holy Spirit is now upon me in the kingdom of God. Did you know that this was our responsibility as a follower of Jesus? Did you know that? Do you realize what you signed up for if you're following Jesus? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Do you know the next part? Thy will be done. What's his will? His will, get this, is that we are living witnesses with the power of the rule of the kingdom in our life. His will is that we live with this type of power, and that living is our witness. You, 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 you notice... In Acts 1.8, when Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness. He doesn't say, you will receive power so that you can witness. He doesn't say, you will receive power so that you become a witness. He doesn't say, you will receive power so you can share your story. He says, you will receive power and be my witness. Because the witness comes through the life of the one who the Holy Spirit has come upon, and they live with the power and the reign of the authority of the kingdom of God. Did you realize this? What this means in real time. I know I'm, I'm, I'm pushing it. I can, there's so much in this, though. You know what? We don't have a second service today, so you just, you're stuck. If you want to leave, you can leave. That's fine. You'll never get the power of God. No, I'm just kidding. Here's the thing. What does this mean in real time, right? Because if it doesn't mean anything in real time, what's the point? I mean, what's the point? I don't want to talk theory. I want to talk practice. And so in real time, and we say it like this around here, and I'm going to unpack it too because I think it means something maybe than what we've understood it to mean. We say it like this. We do for one what we wish we could do for all. But, but th this is kind of what I'm talking about, though. You, you, you. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is you. You bring the kingdom of God to the reality of one. What the kingdom of God already is in heaven. You bring that to reality for the one who is not experiencing the kingdom of God in their life right now. Now, when we do for one what we wish we could do for all by the ability and resources we have in ourselves, that is not the Holy Spirit. That's just being nice. I got a banana, and Dave wants a banana. I give him my banana. That's not the kingdom of God. That's just me being nice. What we have to do is do for one what the kingdom is in heaven, which is way beyond what we're capable of doing ourselves, relying on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to show up, going way beyond what we can do ourselves. That's the kingdom of God. To do for one way beyond what we're capable of doing in a way that represents the kingdom. In witness, in provision, in miracles, the kingdom of God. Remember in John 1.14, we talked about that verse already. When Jesus said, you will do what I've been doing and more so? You think Jesus was passing one banana to another? Like that's all he was? No. There was the power of the kingdom of God. And witness provision of miracles. So, whatever is the rule of God in heaven, whatever reality looks like in heaven, whatever his kingdom is like in heaven, pray that that come on earth now, starting with you. This is crazy to me. That we've been given the authority and the command to live with this type of God's presence through us in the world. Not just with Jesus being with me, though he absolutely is. Not just with the Holy Spirit being in me, though he absolutely is. But with the Holy Spirit being upon me. And it doesn't feel different than any other day. I just know that in the moment when I have the opportunity to act, I act so far with expectation beyond what I know I'm capable of in a way that represents the kingdom of God. And then ultimately, we wait 
and we pray with expectation for Jesus' return. Where he finally establishes his kingdom on this planet, on the earth. And his will is finally done as it is in heaven. But until then, for now, it's us. You are God's plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B. So you want to know how to get the Holy Spirit? Some of you are like, I don't know, dude. I, seriously, I was happy and content before I showed up. Jesus said, if you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be his name, give the Holy Spirit to those who are good, to those who are righteous, to those who are churchgoers, to those who got their stuff together. To those who weren't filled with debauchery last. No, none of that. How much more will he give his Holy Spirit to those who what? Who ask him. And so I have to ask this. If our experience of the power of the kingdom of God has not been our experience, who's responsible for that? If the kingdom of God has not shown up in our midst, who's responsible for that? God for not holding up his end of the deal? Or us for not believing, for not acting on, or just being ignorant of? I get that. See, in the Old Testament, God the Father was the star. In the New Testament, Jesus was the star. In the church, the Holy Spirit's the star. And he's willingly given to the kids who ask the Father for it. Who are committed to the kingdom as their first priority. Who immerse themselves in the kingdom's priorities. And that's why this part of the prayer that Jesus taught is so crucial. Your kingdom come in my life. Your will be done in my life. Give me your perspective of your kingdom rule. And your kingdom reign. And fill me. And let the Holy Spirit come upon me. Because in myself I cannot live consistently with the power nor the rule of the kingdom. And so you pray. Holy Spirit, fill me. That's what Jesus said. God, let your, the power of your kingdom be on my life. And you tell him, I choose to immerse myself in you. I don't want to dance and toy around with you anymore. I want to immerse myself in you. Let your will be done in me and your will be done through me. As if your kingdom were right here, right now. And you pray and you say, Father, I know that you're not willing that anybody should perish without you. So use me and guide me and empower me. To live in and to live by the rule and the reign of your kingdom. And I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to let your Holy Spirit come upon me. And then in those moments when you have the opportunity to act, you act in faith knowing that the promise that can never be broken is God's word. And what his word says is that if you ask him for the spirit, you'll receive it. So you act in faith and guess what? The Holy Spirit shows up. And when that happens, the kingdom of God, can you imagine? I don't know if you get geeked out with this stuff like I do, but oh my gosh. Rick, y'all better come up here because I could just, I'm just saying. Are you ready? Have you asked him for it? 
and with your whole heart? Do you believe that it's the truth? That when you ask, you will receive? Have you acted? Are you waiting for a feeling to be convinced that God's word is true, what he said? If that's what you're waiting for, you'll never receive it. Because that's not faith. Here's the If you've asked Jesus to come into your life, the Holy Spirit is already in you. It's not going anywhere. It's already there. But I think the problem is so many of us have lived with the assurance slash then the comfort of the Holy Spirit being in us. Yeah, Jesus is in me. Yeah, we're tight. We're good. But you've never understood that you have the opportunity to experience the very reign and rule and God's kingdom upon your life. By in faith, asking and believing, Holy Spirit, come upon me now. See, the Holy Spirit is in you for salvation, but the Holy Spirit wants to be upon you for power. And some of you have lived in bondage to so many things for so long, and you're saved and you're going to heaven because the Holy Spirit has come in you because of relationship with Jesus, but you've lived according to this tie to things that have bound you and things that have held you captive, be it spiritual, emotional, physical for far too long and the kingdom of God has not come upon you yet but that is what you were given the opportunity to experience and that in faith you say Holy Spirit come upon me and I choose now to live under the reign of God the kingdom of God in my life and then you act in a way you do things you've, you've never been able to break free of that thing in the past before because the spirit of God hadn't come upon you yet This is what you've been given access to. Won't that be the way it is in the kingdom of heaven? No, 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 pay attention here. Won't that be the way it is in heaven? Okay. If that's the way it is in heaven, Jesus' prayer was, may it come and be your kingdom on earth right now. So shouldn't that be our reality right now? You have the power of the Holy Spirit waiting to reside upon you if you have a relationship with Jesus. And all you have to do is ask. And then act in faith as if it is. And it becomes. And so you pray. And you believe, and then you receive. You ready? Now, don't be fooled. Some of you are going to think you're going to start feeling weird. That ain't the way this works. Have the faith to pray. Believe you have received. Then act like you have. And the kingdom of God shows up. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is unbelievable. This is like all that stuff that has been wrapped around us can be gone. All those chains can be gone. All that work that has conspired against us in our lives from the evil one to suppress and to deny the blessings that God has already decided are yours because the relationship, all that stuff that holds that back can be gone. How? Father, let the Spirit come upon me that I may walk in the reign and the rule of the kingdom right now. And act like that rain is present right now on this earth. Pray with me. 
say this in your own words. Don't use my earth. Make this your own. It's got to be individual. It's got to be personal. Just say something like this in your own words. God, thank you that you love me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for my sins. I believe in faith, Jesus, that you're the only way to God. In faith, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life, to take up residency in me. Now, having done that, you know now that the Spirit of God is in you. Now, as Jesus has said, how much more is the Father willing to give you His Holy Spirit if you are His child who asks Him for it? So in faith, in your own words, you say, Father God, according to your words, which you cannot break, give me, let fall upon me your Holy Spirit. I will act as if I am in the midst of your kingdom right now. Give me faith to continue to walk and to act and to believe and to sacrifice and to witness and to serve and to reach out and to step out and to move in the midst of your kingdom. Let it come upon me. I know it's in me, but fill me with your Holy Spirit. May it come on me and upon me. Tell them, I'm not looking for some fuzzy feeling. I'm just looking for power. I'm not looking for some weird emotional experience. I'm just looking for power. And I know the next time that I have a need, I will move in the power of the kingdom. Let it come to this earth now. Let's sing. Let's stand and sing together. It wasn't for nothing that you shed your blood So I'm gonna live like my shame is gone I won't be shackled to the way I was Oh, I'm gonna live like my chains are gone, gone. 